So thank you all uh, for coming to this 2019 Grace Agenda. I just got a, a couple of things I wanted to share with you, uh, closing, going out. Uh, the first is your last uh, opportunity, reminder, etc., on um, giving to Grace Agenda. The, in, in the scripture, uh, as, as the Apostle Paul um, raises money, he does it in a way that's very different from how uh, modern evangelicals raise money. We know how to send out blood on the envelope appeals. If you don't give to this ministry, we're all going to die and assume room temperature, and that will be sad. Um, and Paul, Paul's fundraising letter was the Book of Romans. And you look, you compare a modern fundraising letter with the Book of Romans, and you, because Paul was trying to raise support for going to Spain, that's what the whole letter was uh, about, and he wanted the church at Rome to help in his ministry in going to Spain, and in order for them to help in good conscience, uh, he wanted them to know the gospel that he taught, and so he laid out the gospel that he, uh, he was teaching and proclaiming so that they could, in good conscience, sign on with this uh, 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 Spanish mission. In another place, he sort of starts, uh, you know, he's talking to uh, one group of Christians, and he says, I don't want, I don't want to, uh, if I show up with people from this other church and you don't have the gift ready, then I, you know, he, he has a godly... Uh, interest in people not being embarrassed in how they in how they give. So I'm saying I'm saying all this because if you go to the Grace Agenda page, there's a place for you to donate. We wanted to set up the Grace. It's called the Grace Agenda, which means that we want we are hungry to give it away, and we want to give. Our desire is to be able to give more and more away, uh, and we would like to. Uh, I'm inviting you to join with us in a bidding war. So as, as you give to Grace Agenda, our commitment to you is we want to turn that around and invest in what we're going to do next year. And uh, uh, we don't want to be Gnostics. Our goal, as God promises us, as we give, we should give to get in order to be able to give again. So you, you don't give to get so you can then sit on your pile. You want to give to get so that you have more to give so that um, God can supply you with more seeds so you can put uh, more seed into the soil, etc. We, we want to be um, ministering to you. We really want to give to you and we want it to be um, free of charge and open-handed. And we also want, if you're committed elsewhere, we want you to be not give us one thin dime and walk out with a clean conscience because we want that to be a get-to, not a got-to. Uh, so I'm not here trying to play the violin to try to get you to donate. But I do want to encourage you, if this has been a blessing, uh, Galatians 6 says, the one who is taught should share all good things with the one who teaches. And as you do that, we want to do more of what we've been doing, uh, and we think it's just a godly, um, it's a godly Pauline pattern. So um, if, you, if you want to give, uh, it's there on the Grace Agenda website. The second thing that I wanted to share with you in closing is, um, is a way of tying uh, all of these themes that you've, you've heard uh, together. And I want, to, uh, I want to go back to some of the things that uh, Chris has said and, uh, and draw out an underlying assumption that many people have, including many Christians, that is, in, in my thinking, sort of one of the defining, defining features of modernity. 
So modernity is not the same thing as modern conveniences. So uh, if you think of a refrigerator that works or hot and cold running water or antibiotics, those sorts of things are blessings and we should receive them as, from God as blessings. So modern conveniences are simply, well, thank God for them. But modernity is something else entirely. Modernity is a toxic poison. And this, one of the central axioms of modernity is that it wants to treat you as an atomistic individual. It wants to treat you as an atomistic individual. And God's word wants to treat you as part of a molecule. Uh, you, uh, so the, the world wants to assume that everybody here is a solitary monad. And what they want to do, and the reason they want to do this, is uh, a, a big collection of individuals are far more easily, easily manipulated than complex molecules. So if you take a, think of a big sack of BBs and then you pour oil on them and put them into a sack, it's like a, a heavy beanbag chair. There's no structural rigidity at all uh, to these BBs. They're all, they're all detached from one another. But when you have the right kind of loyalty to your spouse, to your wife, to your husband, to your kids, the kids to the grandkids, as the family, as the family is growing, as the clan is growing, what you what you have there is a complex molecule. And molecules have structural uh, definition. And then when these families come together and they come together in a worshiping congregation, and you have households that love each other, and the heads of the households are doing what they ought to be doing, and the kids are, are being taught to love and serve God, um, these complex molecules are coming together in an even more complex molecule. And then when the state comes and says, let us run this part of your life for you, we say something like, let us think about it. No. <laughs> no. We don't need, we don't need you to uh, provide that service for us. And the state doesn't like that because the state would much, pref the state would much prefer a continent full of fornicating potheads than they would prefer um, a host of intact families with everybody loving each other. Because if you have everybody loving each other, you've got complex allegiances, complex loyalties, and the state wants to be the god of the system, right? They, they want to be the god of the system. So they want to intervene and break down your molecular bonds. That's, and that's what's behind a bunch of these uh, demented social policies. Uh, you know, they're now talking about 16-year-olds getting the vote. Uh, it's what's behind same-sex mirage. It's behind, and this has been going back more than a century. Uh, just, here, just another illustration of this. 200 years ago, when a young man went to war, he would go to war with everybody in the village he grew up with. Right? He would go to war with people he'd known his whole life. And, uh, and they would go to war under a colonel or under an officer who was the mayor of the village or the mayor of the town. Now, the reason there, there are always, there's always cost-benefit issues. And the reason, one of the reasons that was given for not doing this anymore is that if a particular battle went badly, all the men, right, all the men in a village or all the men in a, in a particular region could be wiped out. And we say, oh, well, let's, 
let's not do that anymore. So let's uh, draft men and process them in these big industrial boot camps and then assign them to regiments that are arbitrary and then move people around. What, what are they doing? They're doing this so that alternative loyalties don't form. Right? And uh, you, you have to realize that God's pattern, and, and, and unfortunately in the church today, there are, there are well-meaning Christians who want to say, well, uh, uh, don't, make, don't make an idol out of the family. Now, Nate said last night that there's the possibility of making an idol out of the family, but he was talking about don't make, an idol, don't make a sentimental idol out of the family, but just being, being faithful to your wife and being faithful to your husband and being dedicated to your kids and, and saying that it's important and saying that it's important for the kingdom of God, for the advancement of the kingdom of God, is not to make an idol. For many people who say, oh, you need to give everything away, give away your grandkids' inheritance, give it all away and go to the mission field and, you know, just um, spend it all that way, is unwittingly playing into the strategy of the chief idol of our, our day, which is the secular state. The secular state does not love the things of God. The secular state does not love the family. The, the secular state does not love the family as biblically defined, and we ought to. Right? So we, husbands, love your wives. Wives, honor and respect your husbands. Children, respect your parents. Parents, give yourselves away for your kids. Join a church, find a church, join it. Take, uh, take church membership vows seriously. Make a concerted attempt over the next year, over the next five years, over the next 10 years to develop a whole series of alternative loyalties, right? And, and sometimes they'll come into conflict. They don't necessarily have to come into conflict, but you want your life, when it comes to loyalty and, and uh, that kind of thing, you want your life to be more complicated than it is now. Um, the state wants you to have roommates. Right? It's a family is whatever, you know, people living in the same house. And you can just configure it however you want, so long as it doesn't have the capacity to threaten their all-consuming demand for your ultimate allegiance. The early Christians, did not get in trouble uh, with Rome because they confessed the lordship of Jesus. They got into trouble because they confessed the non-lordship of Caesar. Right? It was the, the, they, you know, Caesar is the political authority, gotten, and he was established by God, and, and Christians were the best citizens ever unless Caesar demanded divine honors. And at that point, Christians said, no, nothing doing. Jesus is lord. So, because Jesus is Lord, love your wife. Because Jesus is Lord, honor your husband. Because Jesus is Lord, pour yourself out for your kids. Because Jesus is Lord, because Jesus rose from the dead, kids, obey your parents. And when you're grown, uh, it, in Ephesians 6, it says kids are to obey their parents. And then in Mark 7, when you're grown children, you honor your parents a different way. You honor them with financial support. You're you're part of this God-given safety net, and that safety net is the uh, is the sort of thing that makes the state suspicious. You're a troublemaker. Why? Why are you a troublemaker? 
Because you're taking care of your own. Why are you a troublemaker? Well, because we don't want the people in the church going on food stamps when we've got a deacon's fund. We, you know, we want, we want the Christians to rally around first. And that, uh, I, I believe that this, the great idol of our age is the secular state. And I think Christians need to come to grips with the fact that allegiance to Jesus Christ requires the cultivation of a host of subordinate loyalties. And those subordinate loyalties must never be allowed to challenge the Lordship of Christ, but they are the instrument that Christ uses to help us challenge the genuine idols of the age. So that's, the, uh, that's my exhortation, that's the manifesto, that's the thing I would like you to take away from everything you've heard. It's not just a, uh, this was not a conference on how to be the wife of a happy husband or uh, you know, 12 points to help improving your marriage. Um, I believe that the family, the household, is one of the principal weapons in God's arsenal. And uh, we need to have those households submitted to the Lordship of Christ, faithful participants in the, church li- in the life of the church, um, and not take yourself too seriously, but take the Word of God with absolute uh, seriousness. So, if I can close in prayer and send you out with a benediction, let's uh, do that. Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for the conclusion of this uh, conference. We're we're grateful for all the people we've seen and met for the first time or caught up with. We're very grateful for that. I pray that the things that have been said would be taken to heart by everyone who's here. And I pray that uh, uh, all the attendees would have safe travel back home and that they would be greatly encouraged, simultaneously encouraged and overwhelmed by what they've heard. And I pray that you would be a great, you take, take these things and make them a great blessing in their lives. Father, we, uh, we dare to ask for this because we're praying in the name of Jesus and we pray in his name, amen. amen. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, present you faultless before the throne of God, amen.